Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. A thrill of hope. I don't know what you think about when you think about those words, a thrill. It's kind of like next level excitement, I'd say. It's like, have you experienced a thrill of hope? An example I was thinking about, I've seen uh, and witnessed a thrill of hope um, in myself and in Mark. Uh, We love soccer and I'm going to go there. It's the topic of the moment. The World Cup is currently on. Um, we, We enjoy a good soccer match. And and I think the thing with soccer is things can change even within the final minute. (laughs) Just when you think all is against the team, um, it doesn't look like there's hope, and then suddenly, out of left field, a goal is scored. And suddenly, there's this thrill, the excitement. I've certainly seen Mark get up and, you know, kind of, I feel like the house is about to shake from his thrill of hope that we're back in the game and we're headed to a better outcome You may not connect with the the sporting analogy. Have you been in a movie, uh, engaged and immersed in a movie scene when, um, you know, often it's in those kind of movies where, you know, there's a battle against good and evil and, um, and generally, you know, back in the back of your mind that the goodies win, but sometimes there's twists and sometimes turn of events. That's not always the case in, in cinema, but... You have this moment where you're so immersed and you just think, oh no, it's all is against the goodies. Um, hopefully you're championing the goodies. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, um, you know, maybe a character emerges that you thought had been killed off a couple of scenes ago, but suddenly they're still alive and they're there to help. And then there's a twist in the plot and there's hope again. And you experience this thrill of hope when you're certainly immersed in that. Whatever your experience of a thrill of hope may be, I just invite you to just reflect on what it is to have this thrill of hope. It's like a surprise, a surprise that comes to you in these moments, a moment when the veil is lifted and suddenly you can see a new perspective again. And Advent is a time where we can reflect and seek a new perspective. We're reminded and we reflect of the time when hope came to us, when the hope of Jesus, Jesus as the hope of the world, came to earth. This is a moment, a hinge moment in history when the people of God could hope again. There's our, the Christmas Carol goes, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious dawn. Jesus is the new and glorious dawn. So this year, the invitation is to reflect where are we going, where have we come from, and where are we going to lift our gaze, to hope again. 
As we've been thinking about Advent, we sense to just continue to speak into what God has been saying to us and what we're witnessing in our church at this time. So God is taking us somewhere. He's working. I actually experienced a thrill of hope this morning as I look out and see this room filled with people leaning in to God, turning up, seeking his heart, seeking what's next. I'm excited as I look out and see you guys. I think it's really key that we really understand the concept of biblical hope. Before I go any further, I want to acknowledge that there are moments that I want to acknowledge the, the struggle and the pain. There's, mo- there's circumstances where there's genuine loss, grief, despair, hopelessness from a world perspective and human pain and perspective. So I want to make it clear that biblical hope is not something when we're in these circumstances that we can muster up with our own strength. The Bible is very clear that hope is a gift. Hope is given to us. And our key verse, you'll see on the back of your Advent card, is this from Romans 15, verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope comes to us. It's not something we can do of our own accord. Hope is a gift. The hope of God, the dreams of God are a gift. As I was preparing for this message and what God had already put on my heart to share about hope. I've been to drawn to Mary, and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, I, and she's such a fantastic example of someone who was a carrier of hope. Mary was literally pregnant with the hope of the world. She was also filled with hope by the power of the Spirit enabling her to obediently walk out the purpose of God for her life. So let's look at Mary. I'd love to read from, would you join me in reading from Luke, verse 1. It'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 56. There's quite a few verses there, but I think it's really important to read the account of Mary in the context of the story. So let's begin at the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill, of, hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then we go on to, in scripture, to Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he's sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What are the keys to understanding the hope that Mary carried? Well, first thing I want to talk about is that Mary was humble in heart. Mary was a teenage girl, a poor teenage girl with no earthly status. But Mary understood the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. She rejoiced that God would choose her and identified herself, described herself as a humble servant and therefore blessed that God would choose her, a teenage girl, to carry the hope of the world, to carry this hope. She described herself as humble and therefore blessed. Mary begins her song of praise with, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And she understands the way of the kingdom as she says, 
also declares in her song, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So it's really key that we understand what the Bible that what the Bible um, defines as to be blessed means. The world currently, the contemporary world, well, I'm sure it's been throughout history, can sometimes misunderstand what it means to be blessed. We see the word blessing thrown around in social media very readily these days, hashtag blessed, and it's often describing, you know, lifestyle things, material things, status, whatever it is, but the Bible has a very different understanding of blessing. Jesus teaches what it means to be blessed in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, says, The way to deeper knowledge of God is through the lonely valleys of soul poverty and abnegation of all things. The blessed, ones are, uh, the blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every external thing and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing. These are the poor in spirit. They're free from all sense of possessing, Yet they yet possess all things. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Red Church, God is working in us. He's working in our church. God is inviting us to humble our hearts as preparation to be carriers of hope. Just as Mary was humble in heart, God, hope came to her and invited her to be a carrier of hope. God is working our hearts in this preparation. A couple of weeks ago, Mark spoke about God wanting to garden your life. This gardening work of preparation to break up the unplowed soil of our hearts, unplowed ground of our hearts, that hard ground that God is wanting to work. And that's painful and that's costly. It's the work of surrender. Another verse that God's uh, been putting on my heart (laughs) um, about hearts is Psalm 84, uh, verse 5, which speaks of this choice to set our hearts on pilgrimage. I don't know if you've ever been on a pilgrimage or set out, perhaps even had a goal to reach something metaphorically, but a pilgrimage is a choice to be determined to reach this destination, to, to set, uh, the Bible talks about setting your face like flint, this determination to head where you're going. We, we, we've got your kind of big map of where you're going. And this verse says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. One version of this verse describes the heart as a highway. Blessed are those whose, hearts are the high, whose heart are the highways to Zion. So pilgrimage is a choice, a choice to put your heart on pilgrimage. Choosing to surrender and humble before our God, before God is a process that takes time. It's a process over time. The process 
though, of surrendering our hearts leads to revelation and encounter. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Hope comes to the humble in spirit. Why is that? Because those who are humble in heart see that they have a need for God. They recognise that they cannot muster up hope in their own strength, that hope comes to them and the power of God comes to them. They recognise their need for the power of God. The humble carry God's hope and kingdom dreams. I'm going to say that again. The hope, the, sorry, the humble carry God's hope and kingdom dreams. Mary was humble in heart. Mary also trusted God's word. Mary's song is compared to other songs in scripture that have gone before her. We have Hannah's song in 1 Samuel, and her song is also similar to those of the Psalms. And Mary uh, would have grown up um, knowing scriptures, understanding scriptures. Mary was um, a descendant of, da- of David, just as Joseph was. So Mary would have grown up in a Jewish family. She was a Jewish girl. She would have known her scripture. She would have gone to the temple and, and sung the Psalms and so was familiar with scripture. So therefore, her hope overflowed to praise, rejoicing in God's faithfulness in the past because she knew the faithful acts of God that had gone before. So she could trust his word. She says that in her song, the words in her song say, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So when the angel Gabriel visited Mary with God's word, this preparation that had gone before her, her knowledge of scripture, her, her love of God's word, meant when the angel visited her, she was able to trust. She trusted God's word. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Elizabeth's response, I love Elizabeth's response about Mary's faith, faith and trusting God's word. This verse really jumped out at me as I read this passage. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So Mary had trust in God's word. She believed that what God said will come to pass. Um, As I was drawn to this verse, I was reminded of another verse in Hebrews that makes this connection between faith and hope and it defines what faith is. Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So Mary was certain of what she hoped for. She was given this kingdom vision, so she was certain of it. She knew that that's the hope that she could hold on to. This takes me to the next point, that Mary demonstrated costly obedience. This hope that she carried 
enabled her to persevere when it was a high cost, high growth moment. Mark spoke about this the other week. These moments, we're on this pilgrimage, on this journey, there's these moments of of pressing in, persevering in our faith, where we encounter these moments of decision, where it is a high cost and high growth moment. Now Mary had this opportunity to step into this, it was going to be a high cost and a high gain moment. And I don't think we can really fully understand and grasp what Mary, this, this choice that Mary had before her with our current Western mindset. Just think for a moment. Mary was a teenage girl. A teenage girl. Can you imagine the risk that she had to step out, the danger, the shame of her having to um, go before and say that she is carrying a baby out of wedlock. There was no way that she could explain herself on human terms, (laughs) from a human perspective. She knew that there was going to be people talking, gossip, shame upon her. It was going to be a huge cost potentially her life, the dangers before her. I just can't, we can't fully grasp this high-cost moment. How was Mary able to do this? I believe it's because Mary was given a vision of hope. And so she knew the destination before her. She knew the outcome and this was able to shape her journey. So she actually had a higher perspective that would carry her through where she could walk in those high cost moments because she knew the end outcome. Hope is the destination and hope shapes the journey. Psalm, I mentioned before Psalm 84 and the verses that really described it, this, this concept of hope being the destination but also shaping the journey are these. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The commentary says the joyful expectations of the pilgrims transform the difficult places into places of refreshment. The pilgrims chose hope. The pilgrims chose to worship, chose to surrender. They understood that they were headed to a better outcome that what they were going through was just part of the journey, but they knew the destination. They knew where they're headed. They had vision of where they're headed. They had vision that they were headed to Zion. They were going from strength to strength, that place of surrender. You go from strength to strength. When you render your heart, you are filled with strength and the power of God. Hope comes to you. It keeps you going for the journey. So hope is taking you to a better outcome. You know you have the vision before you. You know the destination. And I believe God is inviting us to know the destination of where we're going, that hope comes to us. 
that hope will come to us, hope will carry us through despite the cost. We need to know and have the gaze of the dream of God, of where we're going, so that will shape our journey. I want to say today, Red Church, that to hope, to lift our gaze is warfare. It's, it's choosing another narrative around the narrative of what we see happening. The hymn, a weary world rejoices. Yes, the world is weary. Yes, you may be feeling weary, but hope comes to the weary world. Hope comes when we need to hope again, when it's time to hope again. Hope comes when we can't see a way out, but only the hope of God, the dreams of God can show us where we're going. I believe that's what the God is saying to us at this time, and there's a connection between biblical hope and strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It says that in Isaiah. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's a promise. That's a promise for us. And it's not necessarily physical strength. It's spiritual strength. It's spiritual authority. That is what God is growing in us at our church at the moment. He's building spiritual authority. He's wanting to give us hope again, the dreams of God again. Amen. <laughs> Think about heroes of the faith that we, you might have them in your life at the moment. They may have been heroes that you remember who've gone before us as biblical heroes of faith. And when you think about these heroes of faith, they've had hope, they've held on to hope through tough circumstances, and we think of them as, we often describe them, I know people I know, I think they were strong. They were strong in spirit. They were strong spiritually. They were pillars. Mark talked about pillars that God is building pillars of strength. We need to become pillars of strength to reveal a different narrative and a different story for the world. Mary. We can look to Mary as a pillar of strength. A pillar as a carrier of hope and strength. She was an example of someone who carried the dream of God for generations to come. She says, People, they will call me blessed for generations to come. So just to recap on the example of Mary as a vessel to carry the dream of God, the promise of God. Mary was humble in heart, poor in spirit, a teenage girl, peasant girl. And I want to just say today, Mary was a teenage girl, but she carried the dream of God. So you're never too young. I see some young people here. Never too young to carry the dream of God. And for that matter, you're never too old to carry the dream of God. The invitation for, is for all. The hope of God. So Mary was humble in heart. Mary demonstrates costly obedience. Servanthood. I am your servant. She was obedient. But Mary trusted in God's word. Mary knew she could trust in God's word. She studied the words. She knew God's faithfulness. She could recite the faithfulness. God had prepared her through her embedded in scripture. Trust in God's word. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. No doubt she held on to that and remembered that word as she went forward in the journey of what God had for her. So humility, costly obedience and trust are the key factors for the remnant people of God who are willing to steward and carry the hope of God, the dreams of God. For the last few years, the Lord's 
highlighted to me Psalm 126. It says, When the Lord brought the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Verses 5 to 6 say, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Encouragement for us is that those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. So you may not, not know what you're sowing right now. You may not know or fully understand what you are laying down, you're rendering your heart for, but you are sowing for the greater promise of hope. You are sowing for a bigger kingdom perspective than your eyes may see. So it's time to lift your gaze, Red Church. It's time to lift your gaze. It's time to hope at this hinge moment of Advent. I believe the Lord wants to say to us, lift our gaze. It's time to hope again. It's time to dream again. We're coming out of a season. We've been talking about walking out of languishing into flourishing. That is the word of the Lord. He's encouraging us to walk into a season of flourishing, a time to dream again. He has given us dreams. We dare to hope or we dare to ask. What are the dreams of renewal he wants to give us as a church? What does he want us to carry and steward? He's actually working in our hearts because he's doing a preparation. He's humbling our hearts He's speaking to us about costly obedience. He's getting us to come back to those ancient paths of remembering his word, of studying his word, of people who will hold on to his word and truth because he's taking us somewhere exciting. He wants to give us the destination that's going to shape our journey. It's going to encourage us to keep persevering, to keep persevering. Hope is warfare. Hope is warfare. Hope is believing a different narrative. Amen. We're going somewhere. Where are we going? Let's dare to ask. Let's dare to dream again. So tonight, we're going to come back. We're going to pray and worship. That's how we're going to begin Advent. We're going to come back to those ancient rhythms, those ancient paths, to come into his presence, to seek his heart, seek his dreams, to dare to hope again. I'm going to pray. God, we just thank you for Jesus, the hope of the world. That just as at that moment when all seems lost, when darkness and despair is there, Jesus, you offer hope. You call us to a higher perspective. And I thank you that hope comes to us. It's not something that we have to think of or muster up, but hope comes to us. Hope gives us vision. Hope gives us dreams. I pray, God, that you'll give us the dreams um, of the kingdom, the dreams and the vision to persevere even when it's costly, that we would count the cost, Jesus, because of the, the way of the kingdom. It's so worth it. Lord, put eternity in our heart. Have Give us a higher perspective. Encourage us to lift our gaze with fresh vision. Come, Lord Jesus. Come this afternoon. Amen. Mm-hmm.